Hello guys, and thank you for listening or watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living that life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. Is confession, the sinner's prayer, enough to be and stay saved or be a born-again believer? Is that enough? We're going to walk the scriptures today. We're going to dive into what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Um, this a revelation was birthed through a comment that was made in the, um, one of my YouTube videos, um, Joseph's Instructions, The Blueprints. I had some great dialogue with a great um, sibling in Christ. And I just thought, you know, it's worth the message. And then God kept putting it on my heart to research this thing out and to actually um, bring some clarity um, to where there is confusion, um, you know, and we all have our opinions when it comes to the things of God. We all have opinions. We can refute, we can kind of go back and forth and debate certain things. Um, but I do believe some things are non-debatable when it comes to, uh, the kingdom of God and it comes to our relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father. So today we're going to be talking about is confession, the sinner's prayer, is that enough to be saved, to stay saved, or be to, or to be a born-again believer? Can you lose your salvation? Because I truly believe that according to scriptures, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end there is death. Sometimes we can think we are right about something and can be also wrong on so many levels. Now, I'd be the first to say with both of my hands up, my feet and everything else, that if I am wrong, I stand to be corrected and I have no problem with saying that. And as I have done in the past on this channel, came back and say, hey, I got the dates wrong, whatever. That's a that's posturing myself so that God can continually use me so that I won't give the enemy a foothold to come in. But today... I'm going to be talking about the sinner's prayer. Is that enough to be saved or be a born again believer? Can you lose your salvation? Can salvation be lost? So we're going to be through this really quickly here and I'm not going to hold you up long, but we're going to go into the scriptures because I do believe that sometimes we as people get into works, we get into our good deeds and we get into uh, hyper grace where we can just think we can live any kind of way and still be saved. So today let's set the record straight and let God be true and every man be a liar today. So I want to start with Romans 10 and 8 and 10 and it reads, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. But get this, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we're going to start right there with um, confession and with the heart, God uses the mouth and the heart. They have to be in sync. They have to be in rhythm. They have to be in unison, okay? So is confession enough to just say, I'm saved because, hey, I saved the sinner's prayer like 20 years ago and 
but my lifestyle does not reflect what I confessed, you know, at the altar. What is going on with that? Now, we do know that when we get saved, our spirits get saved, our soul doesn't get saved. The only thing that gets saved when we get saved is our spirit man. This is why the Bible says we have to renew our minds so that our minds can begin to be renewed and God can begin to transform us into the image of Christ. So there's some spiritual growth and maturity that has to take place once you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. There is a transformation that God begins to do in your life and it begins to um, manifest itself outwardly in your character. This is why the Bible says you would know a tree by its fruit. Now, the conversation or the dialogue I had, it was a really good conversation. And I, I, like, I like that because it helps me to understand people better. It helps me to understand God better. And it helps me to, to understand the scriptures. It causes me to do a deep dive even the more in the scriptures. So that's the fruit that came out of it. But I want to set the record straight today. And I want to bring clarity to that comment regarding the, uh, we were talking about unforgiveness. So we're going to use unforgiveness today as an example. Unforgiveness, if you don't forgive people, can you lose your salvation? Um, amongst other things that we do in the world. So let's see what God has to say, because our opinions don't matter. It's what scripture says about the, about the situation and that's what we follow. That's our foundation. That's our truth, right? Because we can go back and forth all day long based on our opinions and how we feel about things, but it's what God is saying. And so we have to be very careful that we do not um, allow the enemy to twist the scriptures and to lead us into uh, a path that God has not, you know, wanted us to go down because of twisting of the truth. So what the Holy Spirit began to do is he began to minister to me. This was like 10 days ago, 10 or 11 days ago when I did this video and then I got this comment. I had did since then another video since then, but God kept pressing on me about that, pressing on me about that because how many more people feel the way this person actually felt as well um, in terms of, you know, their belief in scriptures. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we just said we have to agree to disagree on this one, you know. Um, but I do did enjoy the dialogue, but God kept pressing on my spirit to come in and to, because um, typically when I read comments, I just keep it moving. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit was really on me about this. I mean, seriously on me about this because I do believe and I'm going to back this up with scripture, that there is a lot of so-called Christians that are in hell because of unforgiveness. I truly believe that. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures what I'm talking about. So is confession enough to be saved? Is that all we have to do? And then we can go on and do our thing and do whatever we want to do and live however we want to live. Because believe it or not, more oftentimes than not, there is a millions of people that profess to be saved and be Christians, but their lifestyle and their character does not align with that. And so 
if they really truly did the sinner's prayer and they were really sincere at the time that they did it, I'm not talking about that stuff we do because the cameras are on us or that stuff we do because people are looking or because we feel obligated or pressured into saying something. I'm talking about somebody who was truly at the altar crying, snot nose crying and really received Jesus into their heart. But their lifestyle went off on a wrong, the wrong path or they they just did not ever come into, you know, growth and maturity in their walk with Christ. And as a result, they're still on the path to, to destruction. So let's look at that. So let's use unforgiveness as an example. Um, unbelief, uh, unforgiveness, uh, refusing to forgive and to repent. Now, let's see what the Bible says. Let's look at, um, let's see, let's look at Matthew. The book of Matthew, it clearly is clear. It, uh, I'm going to go to Matthew 5. Let's see, Matthew 5 and 17. And we're going to begin to see what the Spirit of the Lord is really saying about this, right? So Jesus is clear when he talk about unforgiveness, when he talk about all these things, um, he says, I'm sorry, he says in Mark 11 and 25, he says, whoever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. He just gave me revelation right now that your father in heaven may also forgive you for your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. And we know that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that qualifies us to stand in the presence of God. So if we truly believe in the blood of Jesus, but we don't forgive, God is clear right here where he says, if you do not forgive, your father in heaven will not forgive you of your trespasses. But let me just go back to what the Holy Spirit just highlighted to me, even in this scripture. He said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Stop right there. Whenever you stand praying, which means that you are a believer, you are somebody who prayed to God. You are somebody who professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He says, whenever, and I just saw this just now, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So if Jesus is not going to forgive your trespasses, that just shuts you up from the kingdom of God. I'm going to show you where this is true. I'm going to show you. Because a lot of times we'll use the, the unpardonable sin, which is as long as, we don't, as long as we don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, every sin is forgiven. God says every sin is forgiven. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. The lo love is the fulfillment of the law, loving God and loving people. That's the fulfillment of the law. So we know if you love God and love people, there is no unforgiveness. But what happens when we do have offense and we do as Christians walk in unforgiveness and we do walk in sexual immorality and we do walk in all of the things that God says you're not getting in with that stuff. Yes, Jesus Christ's blood that was shed on the cross it does break the power of sin, but it does not negate the fact that you have to confess 
sin with your mouth. The Bible's clear. It says confess with your mouth. You still have to confess the sin unto God and repent for your sins. If you've never repented, but you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so many things that's wrong with that. And I'm going to read John 3 and 36. It is clear. It says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. I'm going to read that again. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. We're talking about salvation. But whoever does not obey, this is John 3 and 36. This is New Testament teachings. For those that are saying that we're not under the law and under the old covenant, this is New Testament teaching. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So there is an obedience, is what, which is what I spoke of you know, to the guy in the comments. There's obedience that has to take place along with the grace. Grace is the, the empowerment that rests on us to live for God because we can't live for God on our own. We can't be transformed on our own. It's the grace of God, which is God unmerited favor, which means that we don't even deserve it. But it's also the power that rests on you to enable you to live for him. You can't do it on your own. We can't, we are not nothing without him. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches and apart from me, you can do nothing. So we know it's not by works lest any man should boast. We also know the book of Isaiah talked about our righteous acts being as filthy rags. So it's not because we're good, not because we do everything right, but it's by the blood of Jesus and the grace of God through faith. But in order for the grace of God to work, you have to allow God by confessing your sins and repenting for the power to be broken. And the reason why this is so important because I have a deliverance mantle, right? The reason why the repentance is, is vitally important, it goes way beyond even salvation. It goes into sickness and disease and all um, snares and traps that the enemy can set up for you. Why? Because he is a legalist. Satan is a legalist. The legal, what does that mean? That means that Bible if you breaking them laws in that Bible, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He goes to and for, fro, day and night, accusing the saints to God. So if you are forgiven, why then does he have the authority over your life to come in and wreak havoc? So you might say, well, that might be wreaking havoc, but it has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with salvation. Because when you stay on the path of destruction, that's going to lead you to hell, saved or not. Let's keep looking at this. The Bible says in Matthew, let's see, Matthew 7 and 21. We know the scripture very well. It talks about Jesus and he says, not everyone, verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does, here's the action word again, he who does obedience, the will of my father in heaven. He didn't say, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're going to be saved. And that's it. That's all. He says, but whoever does the will of the father in heaven, what was he talking about? What, what was Jesus talking about when he said that? 
not everybody to who to um, who says Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. So basically, what God was saying was, who does the will of the Father? Meaning, who is ever obedient to His word? So it's not enough to just confess and to say, hey, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, but then I can just do whatever I want. And you might say, well, that person was never saved. I beg to differ with you. There has been times in my life I ain't always been on the right track. And I'm just being completely 100% and transparent because a lot of times ministers of the gospel or people that are speaking before you, you think that these people got a squeaky clean life, but that's far from the truth. So the Bible says in Matthew 7 and 21, it says, I thought my recording stopped. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and, and done many wonders in your name? These are not people that don't know God. These are people that do know God. The people that don't know God is doing exactly what they're doing in the world. They're not studying God. They're not prophesying. They're not casting out demons. They're not doing any of that. They're doing what the world does. Okay? But these are people that claim to know God and claim to be Christians. So to say that we can just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and we're saved, well, then what does Jesus say? He says, not all, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, who, who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many workers' wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice iniquity or do workers do work of lawlessness. What is lawlessness? I looked this up. What is Jesus talking about? Because if we saved, then why would we be cast out of God's presence? Why would we be cast back into hell? Why would we be prophesying, laying hands on the sick? Who is he talking about? These are saved people that thought they knew God, that thought they, that they were really saved, and they were operating and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, right? So what is Jesus talking about when he said, depart from me, I never knew you? That new word new means intimate okay it means to be intimate with somebody it's the greek word genosto which means to be intimate right let's go a bit further though what does the word iniquity mean in the greek it is the word anomia strong's word g459 it means without law or lawlessness then let's look at the word in hebrew what does it mean in hebrew it means avon a-V-O-N means to bend, to twist, distort the law of God's word to different degrees. So that, that word means two things. It means lawlessness, and it also means in Hebrew to twist or to bend or distort the law of God's word. That means you took the word of God and you twisted to fit your narrative. Come on. That means you distorted it. That means you changed the actual meaning of, of what God intended for the word to be. So that word means to be in lawlessness, meaning to break the commands of God. And that word also means, Avon means to bend or to twist or distort the law of God's word. 
And then you might say, well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Okay, so if that's truth, okay, we know that God's word cannot lie and that all things do work together for the good of him, good of them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. But if you pay attention to the way God speaks, it's always not conditional salvation because here's, here's the thing. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that will qualify us to be saved. Meaning you can't absurd that and go around to God. That's why he says no man can come through to me except through Jesus. So you can't go around that. Why is that? Because salvation is a free gift. It's free. Forgiveness is free. The blood of Jesus breaks the power of sin. That means sin no longer has the power over you like it did before you found him. That's what the blood of Jesus does. It breaks its hold, its power from over you, meaning the grace of God rests on you and it empowers you to live for him. But what happens when you fall off? That's what this message is about. So are we still saved? So Jesus says, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, Romans 8, 28. Who are those that love the Lord? Well, according to John 14 and 15, it says, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here is another action uh, uh, that we have to partake in. We have to partake in action. It's not just about confessing. It's not just about saying, I believe Jesus exists. I believe he's real. He's real. I believe that, you know, I'm saved. Yes, that's part of it. But God says in John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then the Bible also talks about, um, I believe it's, um, Let's see, John 13 and 34, it says, a new command, here's that command again. See, we think it's just about being saved and now we may not get all the rewards in heaven, but we'll still make it. But it says here in John 13 and 34, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So there is a thing we have to do. It's not just I'm saved because I said it. Your character, the Bible says you will know a tree by its fruit. It has to be aligned with the character of Christ. So if we're, our character is not of that, then we have to question, hey, is, are we really saved? No, it's not by works lest any man should boast because if it was by works, then you're under the law again. But we're under grace. But grace is not a license to sin. It's not a license to just get, get down and dirty and do anything we want to do. Because then how then will you be the salt of the earth? He talks about being the light. You're not the light if you're doing what the world does. You can't minister if you have things in common with the enemy. The Bible says, Jesus says, the enemy is coming, but there's nothing in common with me that is in common with him. So then a first John 4 and 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So we keep seeing these scriptures back to back to back. And we talk about the unpardonable sin. Okay, the only thing, you know, is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's, that's true. 
<laughs> but God is saying that in order to be, re you have to be repentant. You have to be forgiving. You have to be loving. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. You have to exhibit the character of Christ. For without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I don't care what you're confessing. The Bible says without holiness, holiness is an action word. Okay, so let's go to Romans 13 and 10. It says, love, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Why does the Bible say love is the fulfillment? Because when you love God and love people, you're not walking in unforgiveness. You're not walking in bitterness. And if you do sin, that's what the blood of Jesus is for. It breaks the power of sin when we repent. But when you're not repentant and you're not... Um, and you're still flowing and you're and, and you're getting farther and farther away from God, then you're being handed over to the devil because remember, he's a legalist. He's going to make sure that if you're breaking the laws of God, that he has a legal right to come in. This is why in deliverance, you have to repent, you have to renounce, and you have to cast it out. It's not enough to just say, I'm not doing it no more. You have to come out of agreement with the altars and the demonic altars you have set up with the enemy. Not just when you was in the world, but when you were Christian and you still doing horoscopes, you still doing sororities and fraternities, you still doing yoga, you still doing all these things that still allows the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in your life and to ultimately move you away from God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 8 and it says, Know you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Why does God say that? Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. It says, do not be deceived. Why? Because people still think that they're with God and they are not with God because their character and their lifestyle does not reflect that fruit of the spirit. And that's so important because it starts off small and you can be on the right track, but then veer off into the wrong thing. Now, the Bible says the race is not given to the swift, nor to the strong. But those that endure to the end shall be saved. Okay, so we see that, right? So when we look at that, we can't just say, okay, so even if I walk in unforgiveness, even if I walk in idolatry, even if I walk in um, um, witchcraft or I practice Satanism, because I confess Christ 10 years ago, five years ago, three days ago, and I'm still practicing these things, then that means that I'm that means that I'm not, um, that means I'm still saved, which is far from the truth. And, and then you might say, well, if you was really saved, you wouldn't have done those things to begin with. That's not true because the Bible says that he, the Bible says that anyone that professes to be without sin is a liar. We all sin and fall short of the glory, but there's a difference in between sin and being sinning. There's two different things. Practicing sin and sinning means missing the mark. Oh, I messed up today. Let me repent, get back in line or whatever. But practicing sin, oh, that means they never knew God. That, that, that's not what that means. There's been time in my walk with God over this last 23 or however long I've been saved, years, that I have not always done the right thing. Okay, so what does that mean? Was I off the beaten path? I was so on my way to hell on the skateboard. 
okay and this is just to help somebody today because we have to be relatable and we have to be in a position where we're not coming off as we do everything right or say everything right all the time. And what I noticed was, and I'm not talking about, well, I probably wasn't really saved to begin with. The devil is a lie. I was walking the straight and narrow when I first I fell in love with Jesus. And I still got off into the wrong thing. And I still got off into the wrong path. So, and, and what does that mean? Did I lose my salvation? Absolutely. Was I walking in unforgiveness? Was I walk, walking in sexual immorality? Was I walking in um, um, all kinds of different things, uh, horoscopes and, and, and had embraced that and all kinds of stuff, right? Some of it out of ignorance and some out of knowingly, willingly doing that. And then I came back to God. You know what I'm saying? But I do not believe for one second that unforgiveness in my heart and the things that I was doing, that I was on my way to heaven. And I'm going to show you um, here it says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 8, it says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what you confess. I don't care about none of that. Meaning... Even if you were sincere at that moment, there is a lifestyle. The Bible says you would know. Why did Jesus say that? You would know a tree by its fruit. Why do he say that? Because the fruit of the spirit, you know what the fruit of the spirit is. It has to be evident. That means that my lifestyle needs to reflect Christ, period. That's the end of it. So, so when we talk about being, um, you know, saved salvation is free the blood of jesus is the only thing that can bring us you know to god but the bible says it's the goodness of god that brings us to repentance knowing that how great and merciful god is it makes you want to repent it makes you want to come to him right so i'm saying all of this to say guys do not be deceived god cannot be mocked whatever a man sows he will reap if you sowing into eternal life, you're going to reap life. But if you sowing seeds of destruction, backbiting, slander, sexual immorality, homosexuality, if you sowing seeds of darkness, you're going to reap darkness. It's just that simple. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, would enter the kingdom of heaven. Did we not prophesy? Did we not lay hands? Did we not cast out devils? These are saved people. Come on. And these are probably even people that was um, had led hundreds and thousands of people to Christ. You can be one that leads people to Christ and still go to hell thinking you got something you really don't have. I was reading a story a while back about a woman who was a Christian and she loved the Lord and she was leading so many people to Christ, but ended up in hell because she did not forgive her husband for cheating on her. She couldn't understand why that happened to her because she was doing all the things to bring people to God and to minister and do the gospel. But then that thing happened to her and she just could not let it go. And she found herself in hell. So I want to say today, <clears throat> that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that qualifies us to even stand in the presence of a holy God. And it is by grace we're saved through faith. Now, my answer to that, once saved, all saved, always saved, I have to disagree. Why? I can use myself as an example. 
I was headed for destruction after being saved for years and went back. So I'm using myself as an example. Did I, do I really think? And if you still are unclear or still disagree, ask yourself this. If you're living in that lifestyle and if you're doing your thing and you still think you're saved, ask God, Lord, if I die today, where will I go? Show me. Show me where would I go. For those of you that don't believe that, that sin and living um, uh, uh, the lifestyle that God has not intended for us to live is okay. Just pray a simple prayer. And I can promise you because of the love of God, he loves us so much. He does not want us to be eternally separated from him. Because sometimes as people, the Bible says there's a way that seems right. We can think we are so on, 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 the, on the money with things. Oh, I'm still saved. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I can still do this. I can still whatever. That devil is a liar. Deception wouldn't be deception if it didn't trick you, if it didn't make you believe false, something that was false. And it wouldn't be deception if it didn't look real, if it didn't feel real to you, right? It wouldn't be deception at that point. You would know. So I implore you today that if you still disagree or if you still don't feel like what I'm saying, take it to the Father in prayer. God would always show you. He always always provide a way of escape for his people, always. Ask him, if I die today, where would I go? And if you can't answer that question or if you're afraid to even pray that prayer, then I implore you today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and get born again, born again. Ask God into your heart. Ask him to change you. You can't do it on your own. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, but it's the grace of God that brings us into right fellowship in terms of the empowerment to live for him. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this walk without God. The Bible says apart from him, you can do nothing, but through him that gives you the strength, you can do all things through Christ. Am I saying that we are perfection? Absolutely not. Jesus is the only perfect one. Am I saying that we will not sin and miss it? Yes, we will miss it, but we will not make it a lifestyle or intentional sinning, knowing we're getting ready to go get high, knowing we're getting ready to go about our girlfriend or boyfriend house, knowing what we're getting ready to get into. That's intentional sinning. That's different from you, something happening and you didn't know it was going to happen. Or even if you do, God is there to forgive you. He's not mad at us. He's not, he's not um, standing there with a hammer over our heads, getting ready to break us down, but he does not want us to be eternally separated from him. He loves us with an everlasting love. And if you ever wanted to know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means your payment for sin is death. And in order for those sins to be forgiven, Jesus had to die for them. So he took your place. That's what that means. He took your place. The wages of sin is death. That was the only payment for sin. This is why God had to come and die for that. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, ask him into your heart and to change you and to come out of agreement with the enemy. Renounce everything that the enemy has brought you into agreement with him. Renounce the slander. Renounce the backbiting. Renounce the drunkenness. Renounce the addictions. Renounce everything that is not like Jesus, the homosexual lifestyle or the sexual immorality. Renounce 
the anger, the rage, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, renounce it. Come out of agreement with it and say, Father, I'm coming into agreement with the kingdom of God. Where the fruit is righteousness, is love, joy, peace. It is forgiveness. It is holiness. But without holiness, no man will see the Lord. It's clear. So that is the word of the Lord today. I pray this message has blessed you. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Like so this can get into the algorithm. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. But at the end of the day, make Jesus Christ not just your savior so that you can escape hell, but make him Lord, meaning let him govern your life so that you can walk with God with ease and rest and that it's no anxiety and fear. The Bible says the perfect love of God casts out all fear. So it's not faith that casts out fear. It's love of God that casts out fear. Allow him to love on you and you love on him back. Give everything to him. There is no sin that is so horrible and so ugly that God will not forgive you for. So walk in that and let his grace, his mercy rest on you so that you can walk in this life without, that, without the enemy harassing you on a daily basis and having access to you. You want to close and seal every door that has been opened as a result of your disobedience and you want to repent and come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. And if there's anything that we have misunderstood, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand the scriptures, to illuminate your eyes, to open you up to truth because we can have our opinions, guys, but there's only one truth. And let God arise. Let every enemy be scattered today. And until the next time, I will see you guys in the next video. Bye, loves.